What is up, guys? This is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread. I am your host, Dalton Locke, with Whitney Williamson. Hey. David <laughs> Hey. And Corey Ann Thorpe. Hey, guys. Guys, we were so excited to be recording again. Um, today, we we're going to be talking about lusts of the heart and sexual immorality. Uh, but before we get to that, let's uh, get into our appetizers real quick. Uh, let's start off with our Facebook memories. Guys, I think by the time this posts, it'll be, what, two weeks from Christmas? Something like that. Something like that. That's crazy. Yeah. 2020 has flown by, and it has not been a good year. <laughs> it's been a strange year. <laughs> it's been a very strange year. I take the back. It has been a good year. A lot of good things have taken place. It's just been stressful. Yeah. You know? My birthday will have already come. December 8th. Yeah. Send him birthday mail, everybody. 25, dude. 25. That is crazy. Yeah, you'll be 25 on the oh 25th of December. Gosh, that rounds up, guys. That rounds up to 30. It as does. I approach the end of age 25, entering into 26. Oh, yeah. sorry. Well, as I end mm, 26 and into 27. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> you guys but are, are going to live forever. You're yeah. going to be 27? What? Yeah. Brian, you do not look 27 at not all. Not at all. Girl. January what? 9th, 27. I would have thought you were like what? 22 or 23. No. Well, thanks, guys. <laughs> Wait, does that mean she's older than London? What uh, year were you born? I don't know. 94. London's older. London's older? Oh. Good talk. I'm going to have to bug her about being close to 40 now. London was born in 93. <laughs> she's oh. going to love that. I know. We're always like, you're 13 years away from 40. And she's like, stop it! <laughs> Good talk. Good talk. <laughs> but anyways, guys, the reason I bring up Christmas is because my Facebook memory... Facebook. 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 You got the baguette? <laughs> the baguette and pizza? No, that wasn't good. Uh, but no, I, I shared a meme, and it says we all have that one friend who is obsessed with Christmas. And it's like this chick wearing a light-up wreath around her face. <laughs> it's pretty great. And I, I was just wondering, who in our friend group is that person that's obsessed with Christmas? Is it Christiana? Maybe. Well, like, you don't have to ask me. You can say who you think it is. I don't know. I think it's... No, it might be you. <laughs> you, were put, you were putting our tree up on, like, November 18th, so... Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I was ready to get... You were also like, hey, should we decorate for Christmas? And I was like, sure, why not? And not so on November 18th. <laughs> and Before you had Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. But it did make our Friendsgiving look pretty That's official. Pretty, pretty official, exactly. I've actually seen so many people, like, in their houses, they've... D- They've had trees up since, like, Halloween. Hmm. Uh, They just didn't decorate them until closer to Thanksgiving, which is exactly what I did. So I think I'm normal. Ah. I think so, too. (laughs) Deep down. Well, not in this, not in our friends that you guys know, but out of the people that Corianne and I know, I think that it's Peyton. Absolutely. She went on, like, a Hobby Lobby splurge and bought all kinds of Christmas stuff. Her car was, like, full. And she just looks like a Hallmark movie. She does. She's gorgeous. She's hilarious. The Christmas yeah. calendar, perhaps? <laughs> Christmas calendar? Oh, my goodness. She literally belongs in a Hallmark movie. She's, like, she one does. of the easiest people to get to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our friend uh, Lauren, she definitely belongs in a Hallmark movie. She yes. lives in a little country town. Little country Christmas. And she, she makes her own candles. 
Oh. Like she's a candle maker, right? That's cute. <laughs> so we can fully, Lauren, if you're listening, we fully expect candles for Christmas. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, nice. absolutely. Like why haven't we gotten candles yet? Like, they don't have to yes. be like Yankee candle standard, but I'm thinking like between that and Bath and Body Works, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I'm thinking like Lauren standard. Especially like, since well. we had that cooler that stayed here that stunk. We had like one cooler that me and Whitney Oh, yeah. The one that Whitney us. left raw hot dogs in? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> me and Whitney, we, we went to Pennsylvania to get my dog, right? So it was like a, how long was that drive? Like 14, 13 hours? It was long. And so Whitney was, I was like, you want to take some snacks? And she's like, yeah, hot dogs. And I was like, come again? <laughs> and she's like, raw hot dogs. I was like, sure. I never dreamed he would leave them in the cooler when we returned. Because, you know, as soon as we got back, I went to my house. Yeah. And he brought the cooler in, I guess, from his car after I had left. And he left the hot dogs in the cooler and there's no, no, there's there's no, no return, return policy, policy there. there there's no return policy there oh my god listeners listen to what i'm saying when i say that that water was brown when i opened <laughs> the ice water was brown from the hot dogs okay so on that brown topic we're gonna go over to facebook memories <laughs> actually that might segue well into my facebook memory oh great oh yeah it Bring probably it has something to do with hot dogs close <laughs> old chicken oh, uh, so <laughs> So, so I, um, this is back in 2011. I had a childhood uh, friend that his name was David Hardy and he was, uh, he lived across the street from me, like when I was growing up and he was moving. So we had to like clean out his room. So there's a picture of us like starting this cleaning process and his room's destroyed. And so I was tasked with like helping him clean under his bed. And while I was under there cleaning, I found a sock that was covering up something, so I uncovered. I took off the sock, and it was a green chicken leg. It was a fried chicken leg that was green. (laughs) And I was like, dude, there's a green chicken leg under here. (laughs) And he was like, quit playing. I was like, there's a green chicken leg. I pulled it out, and he's like, ah! So we had to like put it in its own bag, wrap it up. I've heard of green eggs and ham, but not green chicken and mm. lamb. Yeah, sounds like a rare species. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty good. What would that look like? I don't know. But Whoa. yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> My oh, mic man. started, you know, trying to get close. Put Whoa. down that milk. It's dinner time. Is it dinner time? Then that mic. It's dinner time. Not it's yet. dinner time. Dalton, what Facebook memory you got? Oh, I shared mine. It was the Christmas wreath. Dun, dun, dun. We've shared so many memories together, guys. I'm sorry. Memories. All right, I guess I'll share mine. Mine doesn't relate to green chicken time. at all, so I'm sorry. Aw. It says, instead of I don't have time, try saying it's not a priority and see how that feels. Oh. Mm. Okay, one more for you guys. Um, it says, you can never build a kingdom with someone who still craves attention from the village. So why don't you take it to your prayer closet? <laughs> <laughs> oh, these sound David bites with the fantastic. sound bites. Man, that's good. David back at it again with the sound bites. <laughs> back at it again. Oh my goodness. goodness. You're right. That was it was very witdom, but there was no green chicken involved and I'm a little disappointed. Yeah. Whatever. Mm. Needs more green chicken. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh man. Whose phone is on? Whose phone's going? Not me. Not Watch, mine. it's probably Dalton's. He's the one that asked the question. Probably. You guys, my, my Titans. in the other room. My Titans destroyed the Colts, guys. Just want to make that apparent to everybody. Yeah. If you're my, a Tennessee Titans fan, just... My little brother uh. will be very depressed. 
Well, guys, today we are talking about sexual Im- immorality. I wish I could talk. It'd be great. <laughs> It'd be a great thing. Especially because it's a podcast. Especially some, yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of helpful. Come on, Lord. So, let's say it's a, it's a, it's a, cir- it's a <laughs> circular blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David. You're welcome. <laughs> Back at it again with the sound bites. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, what is, uh, what does sexual immorality mean to you guys? Like, what is it exactly? I feel like it's anything that goes against what Jesus said in the Bible about sex and all things relating to it. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty, (laughs) (laughs) pretty, pretty good definition of it. Good talk. (laughs) All right. We're done. (laughs) That wraps up the episode. Yeah. I just feel like it's, um, I feel like it's just this constant battle that it's especially, I mean, it's, it's different for everybody, but I feel like it's one of the, it's like one of the only things that in the Bible we're told to flee from, Mm. um, like fleeing from sexual immorality, because, um, it is such a strong lust of, of the heart, especially because like God intended that we do that for a specific purpose in the context of marriage. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's biblical, but it's also like if you're doing it outside of marriage, then it's not. So it's like, it's kind of, it can be a double-edged sword. It's like, it, it's not fulfilling unless you do it in the context of marriage. Yeah. And so, like, I think sexual immorality is is definitely, for me, something that I, like, is one of the hardest sins um, to, to overcome. Just because there's not a lot of, like, there's a lot to say about it, but as far as like a battle plan, it's more mm-hmm. like flee from it. Don't, you know, put that stuff in your mind, like basically try and live holy and pure. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's really hard for us too, because it just seems like there's a lot in the, that the Bible has to say about adultery, but not a lot about sexual immorality. Adultery is when you are in the confines of marriage and you are, kind of seeking sex outside of your marriage. Whereas sexual immorality, I think it pertains more to like you're not married and you're struggling with, with sex. That just seems like that seems to be the theme. Like whenever I'm reading about it. Um, and there's not, there's a lot on adultery, but not a lot on sexual immorality. And I think that's because in Jewish times and Jewish culture, once you were like physically mature, as in you could reproduce like around the age of like 12, 13, that's when you got married. Yeah. You didn't wait until you were 20, 25, 30. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's why it's a really big struggle for us these days. Uh, not to mention all of the just physical, like spiritual warfare going on with all of uh, sex being pushed in our culture in America. Yeah. Um, not to mention that, but just focusing on what the Bible has to say about it. Uh, you're right. There doesn't seem to be much of a battle plan other than run away from it. I think that a lot of people have been taught things by the world instead of the church teaching it. And I think that that's a huge problem as well. Mm-hmm. Back then, you know, they did get married really young. But at the same time, like you said, there's all kinds of content movies that suggest cells that suggest even on mannequin, like just certain types of dress that's being sold in stores that's promoted it's become you know a social norm to dress yeah. provocative to carry yourself and the more i reveal the more the guy will notice me type deal 
instead of them noticing your character. But um, it, the thing about sexual, immoral- sexual immorality, um, it's not just adultery because it talks about, you know, if a man looks at a woman and lusts for her in his heart, then he's already committed it. And that doesn't mean, oh, well, I've already done it. Might as well go ahead and act through with it. It's opposite of the fruit of the spirit because the fruit of the spirit has to do with Mm self-control well that's Mm -hmm. not controlling yourself it doesn't say god needs to control that it says self-control and um just something else i I wanted to point out because the immediate verse that came to my mind it's like every other person or every other sin a person commits is outside of the body but sexual immoral person sins against his own body and the bible refers to our body as a temple And that we're supposed to take care of it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's a gift. And that's the only sin that you're committing towards your own body. Like, that's pretty powerful, guys. Yeah. Um, Something that, like, I I think it's around in the context of the verse that you mentioned. Um, But it says that we've been bought with a price. Our bodies do not belong to ourselves. They belong to God. Um, And uh, what is also referenced there is um, that when... A man and a woman have sex like they are come together to have to, to one flesh and uh i think paul says uh should the temple of christ be made with be made one with a prostitute mm-hmm. absolutely not like that would be an abomination as is any other sin is an abomination um so it's just it's food for thought really is what that is i think is just remember that your body is not your own. It belongs to Christ. It belongs to the church. Yeah. And after all, like, sex is was created by Jesus, and it was, I almost, I almost want to say, like, for Jesus, because sex outside of marriage is purely self-centered, self-pleasing. Mm-hmm. Where within marriage, it's about... Covenant. Yeah, it's a covenant. It's like a physical representation of the bride and Jesus. You know, it's like this, you can't get any more closer or intimate. So it's that perfect picture of this oneness in Jesus. Yeah. I was reading um, somewhere where somebody made this comparison, uh, how God is three in one. And when a man and a wife, they're married and they come together in sex, they are two in one because they are two in one flesh. So it's a reflection of God and his character in his three beings. Um, so that like that's just, you can you're able to see God's, planning and everything that he has given us um including sex yeah and i think that there's you know when you kind of alluded to matthew 5 which is coincidentally the the verses that i was studying this week um talking about sexual immorality it basically it starts in the mind Mm -hmm. and even if you abstain physically but you still have it up here i think when one episode you said like what what is in you comes out of you and eventually that's going to manifest if you keep those thoughts in your mind. And I think that it's so important to train yourself mentally. Um, I know for guys, um, I know we had uh, a book that we were reading uh, for the, in the youth group back, back when we were in high school. It was talking about like ways to, to help that and ways to mentally combat that. And like it talks about bouncing the eyes it talks about um not like starving the sumo which is basically talking about just like the sexual thoughts like not uh weaning into those and just kind of um not putting yourself in a position where you're going to be around a lot of influence 
um, like whether that's like movies or social media or whatever it is, um, basically kind of starving that mm-hmm. uh, that sexual drive. Um, and I also think that there is a component, emotional component to it that no one wants to acknowledge. Like it's an emotional thread when you do that. Yeah. And people that are in relationships that engage in that and then they cut it off, they find it's a little harder, but it's because the, you've kind of given that part over. And even if it's casual or whatever, people want to say it is, it's actually, it's not like it's meant for something more. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason that you feel something emotionally when that happens. Yeah. So, and I think that God intended it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also for, um, cause I've, I've heard some teaching on it, but as not saying it never, you know, happens for girls, but especially for guys, the more that you partake in things that are sexually immoral, um, whether, you know, that's things you just know that you shouldn't be doing either in your private time or with a person in a relationship, et cetera, you're becoming calloused to your sen- your sensitivity and your emotional mm-hmm. state whenever you do those things. So and some spiritual. of you are hearing, yeah, like all of that, yeah. like David said. So there is an emotional connection there. And some guys have gotten to the point and even girls where they don't even feel emotion anymore when they do that. And I'll be honest, that's kind of where I got to before I came back to Christ. Like sex became a vice for me because it was, it was kind of like my escape when I was trying to get away from the life that I just kind of hated. And eventually it just didn't do anything for me emotionally. And so what you do whenever you partake in that, like if you know that you want to pursue God and you know that you want to be happily married and have a good marriage, those things seem okay or seem fun or whatever right now. But you're stealing that away from But you're stealing your joy from what you want with your spouse. And by that, I mean whenever you partake in things that aren't from God and you wear yourself away to become callous like that, when you finally do get the person that you're meant to be with and you're having an intimate moment with them, some people are like, oh, well, that'll be different. It'll be them. I won't think about anything else. You already have predetermined, like... You're comparing. You're comparing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you've already had experiences that subconsciously are in the back of your mind that you are comparing to, even if you don't really realize it. And maybe you're not able to emotionally connect the way that your spouse deserves because you've Mm -hmm. already put so much emotion into other people and soul ties that you should have never been in. Mm -hmm. So just throwing that out there, um, I'm not saying, you know, it's easy for... For people, but that's part of renewing your mind, and that's why we have the ability and the authority to do that. Right. If people yeah. viewed sex as more of a gift from God and less of a luxury that we have, it's 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 humbling because it's it is supposed to be something for your wife, and when you steal that away from your wife, it's or your husband or your husband. <laughs> uh, sorry, ladies. <laughs> um, and when you steal that away, it's just. Like you said, it just it it really takes the emotion out of it, and like I said, you are emotionally like callous to it when you get to that point. I think it's good too to like back it up a little bit. So, First um, Corinthians six twelve says, "All things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any." So, before you even get to like these sexual thoughts or the actual act. It's good, like, especially if you're in a relationship, but even if you're not, like, you you need to have boundaries Mm -hmm. in your relationships, in your life, to keep you from even being in that place where temptation is going to come upon you, you know? Because just because watching a show that, I don't know, not that, I guess there's a lot of shows out there that, you know, people shouldn't be watching, but 
there's certain circumstances that aren't sinful but they're not necessarily the best thing for you they're not necessarily putting you in the best position or um in a place that is going to lead you away from temptation so i think that's really important too is to get to the very beginning of it before anything can even come in to draw you towards sin I think that part of being a Christian isn't seeing how close you can get to the edge Mm -hmm. and still be within the lines of, oh, I'm okay. I didn't completely like jump over the line or disobey, but I'm walking near the edge. It's not bad. Like, but you're still near the edge. Yeah. Versus how far can you go instead of how close can you get to Jesus? Yeah. Yeah. It, It goes right back to that verse that David mentioned, flee from sexual immorality. Mm hmm. If you're fleeing from something, you're not seeing how close you can get. You're seeing how far you can get from it. Yeah. Yeah. Here's two things also I wanted to point out. So in our last episode about greed, I was studying in Genesis. And this time I'm studying like in Second Samuel. But the, the thing that I see in common with these two things um, is when Adam and Eve fell in the garden and surrendered their authority to, to Satan, Satan came to them and he said, did God really say Like they knew what the word said. They knew what they were supposed to do, but he came to them with a question and they started asking that question in their mind. Well, did God really say, and then Eve tried to reiterate what God said, but she didn't even quote it word for word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She let that question kind of get in her head. And then she started making it be like, oh, well, I guess it's really not going to be that bad. Justifying. Justifying. Mm -hmm. And it starts when you start asking yourself questions on how close you can, Mm -hmm. you know, do with not getting you know, like getting closer to the edge. But the same thing in second Samuel, when David saw Bathsheba and he was on his roof and it said it happened late one afternoon and David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the King's house. And that he saw from the roof, a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. It's not like when he saw her, it's, he started asking questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He inquired of her. He could have walked away from that rooftop, went and spent time in the presence of God. Like he always had, before he was anointed king, all of those things, but he inquired about her. Yeah. He started asking questions. Oh, well, you know what, you know, not word for word. This is just a thought I had, but like, oh, well, this, what could this be? <laughs> like, what could we be? You know what I mean? Like yeah. started asking questions. And I think this is one of David's biggest falls that, you know, he ever had was whenever he took another man's wife mm-hmm. because he started asking the wrong questions instead of saying, this is what the word says. And I know what God said about it. And I'm going to stand on that. And I'm not going to entertain the thought. He started being like, well, yeah. that doesn't look so bad. I mean, well, let's yeah. try it. I've got two things to add to that too. Um, one thing is like at the, at the beginning of that passage that you uh, were quoting, David was not where he was supposed to be either. It says that during the time, during the season, when kings were off at war, David was on his roof. Hmm. So he like he should have been out there leading the battles, leading uh, the charges. Um, instead, he's chilling at home, you know, not where he's supposed to be. And we so often are tempted when we are not doing things that we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there have been countless times where I've been like, ah, I'm not going to go to church today. And I chill at home, and then I'm just berated with all these temp- temptations. Um, and there's other examples like that and stuff. Uh, but the uh, the other thing that I wanted to add to that was that sin is always going to cost you way more than you think it's going to. Um, yeah, it's supposed to be fun until it comes for its payday. Exactly. And what was the payday for, for David in that situation? 
he had to cover it up because he was king. So who did? So what did he do? Yeah, he murdered too, like yeah. his his right hand man, so that he could cover it up and keep his reputation. But then, of course, God, you know, he knew like God sees all things. Um, but so yeah, sin is always going to cost you way more than you think it's going to, and it's yeah. going to hurt others too. Yeah, yeah. Let me, exactly. Let me ask you guys something. So, um, I had a friend last year that um, she had not been in a sexual encounter before, and she was she was waiting till marriage. Um, she eventually got a, a boyfriend that she had been seeing, and decided to to move in with that person and eventually engaged in that activity and me being curious i asked her why and she said that she thought that they were going to get married anyways like and she i mean she just knew that this person was the one so what do you guys think about that situation to where it's like people who oh i'll just go ahead and do it now because it, like we're going to be married anyways. There's there's a few things I have to say. So first off, there are so many times when people are so sure about someone and then something happens. So mm-hmm. you just you can't guarantee that until there's like that solid commitment, you know. Mm-hmm. But also, you have to look at what the outside world is seeing. They're seeing two people that aren't married and yeah. engaging in sex. Like that's that's not a good representation of they're saying to Christians who exactly. are not exactly yeah. right. Yeah, I don't know what I said, but yeah. So that's not showing Jesus. That's not showing what a Christian relationship should be like. It's not yeah. a good reflection. It's yeah. picking the parts of the Bible that you want and throwing away others. Yeah, in just my changing opinion. them. Cherry picking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. At that point, it's it's taking advantage of of the grace that God paid such a high price to give. Like, and that's not okay. You know what I mean? Like he's generous, he's he's righteous, but that's just that's like not okay because when you're doing that and you're saying I am not ready to commit this to this person, but I'm re- ready to give them the benefits, but I can walk away whenever I want. You're not being faithful. You know what I mean? You're not under God's blessing at that point. Like just picture with me for a minute, guys. Like there's this umbrella of what God says, well, is good for you and will protect you and it's not to confine you, but it's to bless you. And when you walk out from underneath that umbrella of what God says is good, you're leaving room for the enemy to come in and cause division and cause strife. Because at that point, you're not really seeking God first because what you want is more important. And you may say that's not true, but your life and your actions show that. Yeah. And so you can't expect God to come in and fix your problems and to bless you and to honor what you want when your job is to repent and to turn from your wicked ways and to surrender and come back into that relationship with him. Like when you do things like that, you're causing separation between you and God. Like, you're causing division in your fellowship with him. Yeah. Like, you can't expect blessing when you're living under the authority of Satan Mm -hmm. and the flesh. Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Yeah. And to reiterate what you said, um, the book of James is such a, like, a controversial controversial book because people don't understand what he's saying. Um, They often use it in the argument that we're not saved by grace through faith alone. Um, but really, I think what James is doing is he's reiterating what Paul has said. And he's saying that um, you are saved by grace through faith alone, but how can you tell with anybody else? You tell, you are able to tell by their works because the fruit reveals the tree. 
here's here's the thing with that. Religious people want to say that my faith is a byproduct of my works. Like, oh, you see me do all these good things, so you must see that I have great faith, like da-da-da. Faith is not a byproduct of your works. Works is a byproduct of your faith. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, so when you have faith and you're believing God and you're doing what you're supposed to do and you recognize that grace that he's put on your life, that will come into all the other areas of your life. That will flow out because it's pouring out from your life. Yeah. Work should be a byproduct of your faith. Faith is not a byproduct of your works. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, so one more thing that I wanted to add real quick. Uh, so I was reading Second Timothy 2.22 uh, and the context like around that. And um, this isn't talking specifically about sexual immorality, but it's talking about um, quarrels and controversies and such. But uh, Paul has a little bit of a tidbit in here that I think is good uh, for what we're talking about. Um, he says, he, he kind of like speaks in a parable. Uh, he says that, in a house, there are vessels that are used uh, for dishonorable things. And I'm sure you can imagine what dishonorable means in that situation. But he also says there there are also vessels that are used for honorable use, um, uh, that are kept clean and kept purified. Uh, and he says, he tells Timothy to keep watch and to stay as a clean vessel, ready for any honorable use uh, that the master may need you for and what he's saying is be a faithful servant of god stay away from whatever is dishonorable stay pure and holy so that he can use you for good works yeah and so the basically what he's telling us is to stay away from those meaningless arguments with christians who don't agree with you Mm -hmm. Um, because all in all what that does is push people away from what is good and convinces them to continue in their ungodly ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also saying, just stay away from sin. If you do sin, repent and um, go back to God and thank Him for the forgiveness that He's given you, and then continue on the righteous path. Yeah. Just for some of our listeners that are out there that might be dealing with sexual immorality, maybe you're in that relationship and you guys have already partaken in that area that should, should have been safe for marriage, or maybe you're watching things in your private time that you shouldn't, or maybe you just find yourself ending up like trying to do good, but you continue to mess up, which we will cover how to deal with messing up in our next episode, part two of sexual morality and how to deal with it. But what I'm trying to get across to you guys is, Make sure that you establish boundaries. Make sure that you hold yourself accountable and you go to that person and say, hey, this isn't how I want to pursue God. I don't want to be another Christian that says one thing on Sunday and lives my life differently the rest of my week. I actually want to to represent what I say I believe. I want to be a believer that believes the word and, and does what it says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sorry that I've stumbled and I've, you know, either led the relationship astray or been a temptation, but I want to do this right. Because yeah. I care about you and your relationship with God and where you're going. Yeah. And I care about my relationship with God and where I'm going. And I'm, if you're the guy, say I'm going to lead this relationship and I'm going to do it the right way and you need to go home. Like at a certain time, there needs to be boundaries. We need to have someone else here with us. Like, you know what I'm saying? If, if that's the case, repent and don't just say you're sorry and then continue doing what you're doing. Actually try to make a change. Yeah. So and it's it, not too late for you. Yeah. Um, and if you find yourself 
having trouble letting go of that or letting go of maybe the person if y'all have already partaken in that and there's that soul tie there but you're not married then you need to step away from that if you're living together you need to move out and get your own places you need to be held accountable and you need to do it god's way if you want his blessing yeah and if this is something that you're struggling with and you just don't know how to get out of it or uh, what the next step is or if you are living with that person and you need a place to stay but you can't afford to live on your own lean on the church that is what the church is there for it's to help you in your sanctification it is to help you pursue your relationship with god you have to lean on the church that is what god gave you gave us the church for so ask the church for help if you have an established church home ask the church for help there is going to be somebody who is older and wiser who can help you set those boundaries there's somebody there that has an extra room there is somebody there that is more than willing to help you. All you have to do is go and ask. And if you are a Christian and you felt like you've never had a good relationship with the church, we get that. I think all of us have had a, a struggle with the church one way or another in our past. But we've all found church homes that we love, that we would do anything for because we know that they are on the righteous path the same way that we're the same way that we're trying to be. So... If you haven't found one, we will be praying for you. If you haven't found one, reach out to us and we'll give you options. Mm -hmm. Like we'll help you look for a church. But guys, we're praying for you. We love you. Um, tune in next week uh, because we are, as Whitney said, we're going to be talking about uh, what to do when we have failed. Uh, this is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread. We'll see you next week. <laughs>